Welcome to the Beyond the Reiki Gateway podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. Journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway. Hello and welcome. I'm Andrea. And I'm Kathleen. And together, we just wanted to give a quick shout out of appreciation to all of our loyal listeners and fans out there who headed over to Tee Public, bought some cool merchandise so that together we could give back and raise money for the situation in Ukraine. The fact that this podcast could help bring us together to do some good out there really warms our hearts. Thank you so much for taking part, not only in the charitable campaign, but also for all your donations through Kofi.com to help cover our costs in producing the show. It's an honor for you to invite us into your lives as we journey together beyond the Reiki Gateway. We're delighted to bring you a very special guest today. We've got Lori Morrison. And she is an award-winning author and does so much more. You may be familiar with Lori's book entitled The Shaman's Guide to Power Animals. We want to really delve into this because we feel that spiritually seeking people are naturally connected and interested in animals. And if they can help us on our journey or provide wisdom to us, then we want to explore those possibilities. And Lori is the one for us to do that with today. So Lori, thank you so much for being with us. I think for our listeners, if you would please really start out very basic for us, and we're going to get into your background and all of that, but right off the bat, can you explain for us what is a power animal? Well, when we look to a spiritual world, and we're involved with other dimensional beings, a very large group of beings are what we call power animals. These spiritual animals were used by indigenous peoples and mostly shamans to journey to other worlds. And mostly everyone who does journey work or shamanism has a power animal. They don't go out into the wild blue yonder of the fifth and sixth and fourth dimension without one. So these animals are are guides. They're extremely capable of navigating through these other dimensional spaces. They're protectors. And then on our third dimensional reality, they're also messengers. So they will be messengers from those on the other side, often very important and very profound information comes when we see an actual animal that is representative of a power animal. So they use each, they use the third dimensional animals to come to us and they also come to us in dreams, but they all have meaning and they all have significant meaning for us as human beings. So by knowing what that meaning is, it can be a profound kind of insight into what you need to know. That's really interesting, Lori. Is there a difference between power animals and spirit animals? And if so, what is the difference? No difference, really. And the only difference is the context of the meaning. For example, when I first started doing a lot of shamanic work, I would power up 
I worked very closely with a woman, and so I would bring her power into my body, and I would heal with her inside of me. So you see this often in indigenous communities where they dress up like they're animals. You, know, you see their costumes, see the kachinas, like, for example, in Arizona. That is merging the power of that animal with the human being. So they can even do healing work or journey work or actual shamanic you know, practice. I have a question about that. So do you choose, does the person choose what animal to work with or is the animal choosing the person? Well, I always say no spirits, no shaman. Because a shaman has to have a spiritual team that they work with for all the work that they do. Very rarely is it the shaman human does it. It's always in, con in conjunction with other spirits. So usually what I have found is that there are certain power animals that come with you with your birth. And that is what I do on my website where people can go there, they can fill in the information and ask what power animal was with them at birth. Now, normally that is about a three-hour ceremony that you would go through. I went through that. I learned why and wanted to work with me. But it was interesting because throughout my life, I always had this sense about lions. A lot of times you'll find, you know, you see like someone who collects frogs. You won't know why you do that, but a lot of times it's because it's your power animal. And like, for example, I was in Africa later on in life and I had seven lionesses surround our jeep and do a, it had a kill actually right in front of me and followed me through Africa. So it was, you know, very apparent to me that was the power animal that wanted to work with me. And to follow that up, does that animal at birth or animals that are with us at birth, do they stay throughout our lives or do they change out? Well, you have to work with them. I always tell people if you're going to work with power animals, it's just like adopting a pet. You know, you have to nurture that relationship. For example, on a recent trip, I had some issues. I had some problems with airplanes having mechanical difficulty. Ooh. So I finally went on the trip, but I was all the way. So as soon as I got in my car, I was calling in my power animal, asking her to, to get me to the airport, guide me, bring me grace, ease in my travel. And, you know, I worked with her. It was just one of my powers. And she guided me in this beautiful, easy way. So you can, you know, you call them in for certain situations that you are in. And then I always tell the story about um, looking for a house. You know, I was in Sedona and I sold my house. And rentals there pretty much non-existent. And so I got in my car and started just driving around to see if there were any signs. And there was a sign by a house for rent. And um, I had called in the mouse because the mouse is very good at finding a house. And the mouse came in and I asked the mouse to help me find the rental. The guide stepped out of the front door as soon as I'm looking at the sign, writing her name down. He says, are you interested? I can put you in touch with the owner. And in four hours, I had a rental that would accept pets. But that was another big thing. Wow. That's something. You use them for different things that you want to accomplish. And in the book, it's really nice because in the back, you can look up like what you're trying to accomplish and then you ask that power atom to come in. 
you work with that animal. For example, when I wrote the book, it was very interesting. I started with A, going from A to Z. When the first animal that came in, Arvart, and Arvart, he spent the whole time with me for the two years writing the book. He said, don't worry, I'll get all the animals to come for you. So he was kind of like the guide of the group. So they're, you know, they'll come in and sometimes even surprise you what the role that they want to play might not necessarily be a a characteristic that the scientists might know about, you know, that they're good at. But I found out that aardvarks are really good at getting people together. How surprising. Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Lori, I see that there are types of power animals. You mentioned those in your book. And perhaps you can touch upon those a little bit for our listeners and describe the different types and what they do. Well, I kind of mentioned, you know, some of the the different activities that they do. You know, there is a retrieval process where, that's like I said, I do it online. And I use a quantum matching system to find out what was the actual animal at your birth. So that animal tends to have period theme as to kind of what your, you know, what your role is on that. And then, you know, a lot of times there's also shape-shifting. So I've had that experience a couple of times where I have actually merged or shape-shifted into the body of that animal. How I learned to completely wipe out my fear was I shape-shifted into the body of a jaguar. And if you think about it, a jaguar uh, walks through the jungle and the jaguar taught me that there was nothing to fear. Because if you think of a jaguar, they walk through the jungle, they cannot see what's ahead of them so dense. There's not like trails in the jungle. There's just thick, dense brush. And the jaguar has to walk through that knowing that there's nothing that's going to harm it. So it's really that perfect lesson for fear. And the jaguar was powerful to, to help me with that. You know, you can call them in. Sometimes people will get their power animal off my website and they'll say, well, I like that one. <laughs> oh, well. And I said, well, it probably came in with a very strong lesson to learn. And that animal was here to teach you this very powerful lesson. It's a shadow power animal, meaning that it's the animal that brings kind of that part of your psyche that you need to really work with through this lifetime. So. It's not always clear, but I always tell people when they you know, want a refund of it. I'm like, no refund. You got to go back and find out why that is your animal. Because a lot of times it's something you fear. And they're like, I don't want a spider. I hate spiders. Well, you know, tarantulas, I love tarantulas. I think they're the most beautiful and most amazing beings. And if you're a connector, if you're people who build webs for people to come, I mean, that's going to be your power animal. So, you know, you can't really pick and choose, especially in my world, because whatever comes through, that's what you're going to get. That makes sense, though. It's, you know, it's what's been assigned to you. And I, I actually have heard that from people who are unhappy with the spirit animal or the power animal that they find out is theirs. They don't think it's uh, exciting enough or strong enough or glamorous enough, like, what do you mean I have a mouse? I don't want to have a mouse. 
a beetle? Are you kidding me? I mean, I've heard these kinds of things over the years. Everybody wants the the lion, you know, as you talked about, or or the bear. And I've worked with all types, and I've found some of the more profound things from some of the smallest and probably what people would consider most insignificant. And they have been some of the best teachers. Yes. And obviously, I'm not an expert in this area, but I've had to tell people, I don't really think you can pick and choose just the way you described it. This is what you have. And I have to confess that I did use your website to learn my power animal, I think about three years ago. And I did. And it was pretty fascinating. I have owl. Oh, wow. Owl. Okay. Yeah. You know, I had somebody that got a jellyfish and they called and they wrote me a pretty, pretty strong letter about this is not me, this is whatever. And they were really stressed out. Well, jellyfish is about chilly. It's about chill. And the letter was like totally crazy. And I was just like, oh, this that was perfect power animal for her. Right. <laughs> what a great example. That is just a great example. Oh, I feel it left really out is. because I didn't get my power animal. So well, if you get the latest from me, then you better watch out. Don't be complaining because it's not going to work. <laughs> I've had a period of my life, though, where everywhere I looked, there was a certain animal. And I think that we probably have listeners out there that this has happened to them. And so if that happens, do you have any advice? I mean, what are we supposed to do with that? Does that mean it's our power animal? Does it mean something else? It can be, or it can be what you need at that time. I mean, I, all I can say is get my book and read about it, because that's really what most people do who bought my book. They just have it handy, and they see something, and they just pick it up. And, you know, here in Costa Rica, where I live, there's lots of wildlife, and there's you know, stuff, you see stuff all the time. And so you're getting a lot of messages. And so it, my book does really well here because people, are, you know, why do I have two cons every morning at my house? Or why do I have this? Or why do I have that? And then you just pick up the book and you can find out. Now, you mentioned you had lived in Sedona and now you're living in Costa Rica. Yeah. How did that come about? And were the animals involved in that big move for you? Well, I'm very much in tune with power animals. So they are my guides. They are my decision makers about me and my life. And I rely on them 100%. There's no, I have no doubt about what they tell me. I was in Sedona and I um, got a message from the whales and they said, you need to go there. So I booked a flight. I Googled whales in Costa Rica, and I got in a car and drove down the coast to find them. I stayed at a lovely hotel kind of on the hill here overlooking what they call the whale coast where I live. And in front of my house here is a sandbar that goes out, and it's in the shape of a whale's tail. They call it the whale's tail. And this is the birthing grounds of the whales from the birthing grounds from um, Alaska, they come, of course, in, in the winters and they come here and give birth to their babies. And then the Antarctica whales come in the opposite seasons. So we have two whale seasons and they come crazy enough where the whale tail is. Sandbomb. Huh. That's so cool. And we see them, they're right at my house here. So 
you see them and their babies. I was sitting at my hotel and um, kind of thinking about, you know, maybe buying a place here, moving. What was the connection to them? I was trying to understand what they're bringing to me. And when I was at the hotel the last morning, I'd kind of been going around with some realtors and stuff. And that last morning, I'm sitting having breakfast, and there's a, maybe two other, three other couples at the at the hotel with me. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound coming, and it was coming up from the ocean up the side of the mountain, and I could hear it. And I had chills, and I just I was you know, almost teary. And I asked the waiter, I said, "Did you hear that?" And he's like. What? Said, that sound. Well, I was on the frequency of them. Oh. So I could hear it. And so then I asked this couple next to me, did you hear that big sound coming from the ocean? They're like, no. So no one else could hear it except me. And then they just said, you're home. And so I still hadn't really found the perfect place. And then the realtor took me to this lot where I am now. And it's right over where they go lots right over the area where they are and I just stood here and the two two cons came that's about happiness and joy and fun living and they just sat in the tree like looking at me the whole time like come on this is it so the whales had you know used <laughs> two cons so I told the realtor said this is very compelling I, I need to find this land so he said okay <laughs> so he wrote it up and did its thing and here I am Wow. And so did you build a place on just land or was there a dwelling? There was a little house here. It was in a beat up old house, pretty rustic. So I've been remodeling it. So I finished remodeling it and I named the the place land that I bought, which is the name of an island, was, you know, that people used to live on who were Lemurians. Oh, this whole side of the ocean. It's tremendous amount of Lemurian energy. No idea until I got here. And this particular lot where I am has a huge Lemurian presence. In fact, I felt at the top of the lot where I am, I felt a large Lemurian temple here. Mm-hmm. That was really wild because I was feeling the temple. I was seeing it in my dreams. There were a lot of mermaids coming in my dreams and things. And so just totally random, this neighbor never met me. She knocked on my door one day and she said, you know, um, are you the one who bought that lawn over there? I said, yeah. She says, you know, this might sound crazy, but there's a Lemurian temple over there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, is it kind of early? Pink. Pink. She goes, yeah. I said, okay, that's the same one that I had seen in another Wow. So it was interesting to so much of a validation of what I had seen. She had also seen. So that was pretty wild. That is. (laughs) I would say so. It was all about the whales getting me here. And so what has your relationship with the whales been like since they invited you to come and welcomed you there? Well, I did go out to see them one day and it was funny because they go looking for them they don't know where they are and the guy was in the boat with several tourists and and he's like going over here and i said she's over there and he's like oh yeah yeah you're the tourists what do you know (laughs) 
And he kept going over in all these directions. I said, she's over there with her baby. She's calling me. She's over here. Go over, you know, by those rocks over there. And he didn't trust me. So we went cruising all around. And then finally he went over there. There she was with the little baby. <laughs> uh, and so I had that moment with, with her. And then I'd see them. I can see the, sh- the, the shadows of them in the water. They're so big. So you can really, you know, you can notice a whale swimming around down there. And uh, so I just meditate with them. Right now they're helping me find the right buyer because I had to buy several lots of the package. So I'm selling them. So they're bringing the right people. And I've had, it's interesting, I've had three people fall out of escrow because they didn't want them here. Oh my goodness. Uh, So they're very particular about the energy that's comes here mm-hmm. if things start to disintegrate i tell the realtor they're not making it they're not making the cut that must be quite a unique experience for your realtor yeah <laughs> <laughs> right that's the truth and i told her i said give them the mouse and go find them another house <laughs> Lori, do you typically receive messages from power animals or any animal that's attempting to communicate? Is it something you initiate or is it something that happens spontaneously? Can you kind of walk us through what that may be like? Well, I'm very interdimensional because of a pretty amazing spiritual awakening that I have. So I have the ability to do that very easily. Not everybody has maybe fine-tuned their skills to do that. Mm-hmm. So I hear stuff. Okay. For a long time, when this happened, you don't tell your psychiatrist or anybody else that you hear voices because right. you end up in a mental hospital. Exactly. So I was, I spent a few times there. But anyway, when it all kind of shook out and everything was back to my normal, <laughs> uh, then I can hear them. But if you can't hear them, that's okay. In the book, there's a lot of information about how the indigenous people felt about these different animals. So I did a lot of research. And it was interesting. The research ended up being mostly through art history. which I, I got a lot of information based on why they painted hummingbirds on water jugs. You know, why did they paint certain other animals on other things? So I did it through art to find out why they paint certain animals and why different tribes did different things. So the first part of each animal is that they share a lot of historical knowledge of that. And then at the end, usually the last two or three paragraphs, I channeled the actual animal. Okay. And that was a lot of work, I have to say, because, you know, you're in trance, you're channeling them, and then I'm writing, trying to write, you know, what they said. And they would come in and edit. Because <laughs> I go, well, you just told me this. You go, no, I didn't mean it like that. You know, change, you know. So they were actually editing me as I was going along, which is pretty funny. But I got that way, I got it right. So, you know, it was very authentic what's there but yeah so you know the best way is just to have the book as a guide you don't have to hear those messages Mm -hmm. that are there are what when i ask the animals is what do you want to share with humanity what do we need to know as human beings about you as a spirit animal or even an animal on our planet and that was the part that comes at the end of each description 
Oh, that's great. That's so helpful because it's so broad-based and it has applications for everyone. And I really like that. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, I learned a lot. The, the most profound experience was the whale. I mm. They pulled me to the ocean with them and I was swimming with this family. And I had a, a friend who was with me who was taking dictation and writing things down. And she had to give me back. It was not an easy task. I was very far into the ocean with them. They had, Ooh. yeah, it was a very profound message about some of the work they're also doing on our planet. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to know with the recent world events, you know, the pandemic and all different things right now going on and the upheaval, do the animals have any messages for us regarding the current times and what we're facing? Uh, the whales did. They were. They talked about that. The thing is, you got to understand that you know animals have been on the planet way longer than we. Have. Mm -hmm. So we're just this little blip on their screen as far as the timeline goes. So you know we might say, "What do you think of what's going on, on the planet?" They're like, "Well." You're a blip. I mean, because really and truly, if you look at the whole evolution of the planet, it's this is just like a little wink of an eye, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but they do, there is a level of frustration. I felt just our lack of mostly of just being asleep, of just being totally mm -hmm. unconscious, being on our planet, of, you know, just so focused on what what we're hearing in media and not asking the tree or not asking them or asking you know nature for answers that just instead everyone's just going to you know social media to find things out and the truth is you're not going to find anything more profound than looking within yourself and asking the spirit world because they can see the world in a conscious way and we don't mm -hmm. So this is where they're valuable. Yes. And through a, a much wider lens, I think probably than any person, you know, or institution could ascertain. I'm wondering, too, what about climate change? Does that ever come up in the messages? I didn't really get a lot about that. I did get a lot about, you know, their environment, their territories. We don't. Unfortunately, we do not architecturally take into account. I, I was very lucky to work with a, a very interesting guy who did a project here in Costa Rica called Peninsula Papagayo. And he spent months designing wildlife corridors, working with people to see where are the, you know, routing of the animals, you know, making sure the lights didn't hit certain trees that were for the nocturnals. You know, I, it was one of the greatest experiences I had to see the amount of, you know, the level of care and concern that they took when they designed that. In Costa Rica, you do see people a little more conscious about that. That's, uh, my project here is called MoveMUCostaRica.com. And, you know, that was one of my goals is I wanted to bring in this, the sensibility that was very Lemurian, which is about having a, a, a community and a sense of 
you know, coming to belong with nature, not to impose a human perspective on it. And that's why I have animals around all the time, because there's no animosity and there's no, like, I have to protect myself from them or they're going to hurt me or whatever. I know when I moved to Sedona, the first thing I did was you know, did a Hopi stick and I honored the coyote, I honored the bobcat, I honored all of the creatures that you know, could jump over my fence, the snake, you know, whatever. And I never really had problems after that. I just asked them to please you know, give me my little space there. I made sure that I had places for them to get around the house so that they can move through the territory there. And I had a very good existence with, the, you know, the animals that were there. So, you know, I think we need to think about that when we develop properties, especially in high levels of wildlife. You know, where I live, you know, there's very close to my home is a peninsula with 10% of the world's biodiversity. That is cute. It's a lot of creatures that um, have a home there. So, you know, it's mostly that that I heard from them. Yeah. Do you mind sharing, did you always love animals as a child? How did you get into this work? And did you have a different sort of life before that? Well, I always felt a connection to them. My father was also very connected to animals. So, you know, we were always with pets and bringing stuff home and, you know, things like that. Unfortunately, what happens is it becomes about going to college get into the right sorority or doing the right whatever, belonging to the right country club. And then those things don't matter. And, you know, we're all like on this treadmill trying to be successful and all that. And that was kind of the way I was told until one day I got hit by, you know, it's light and I could only see the world through sacred geometry. And I had four jaguars standing there saying, welcome to your shamanic initiation. After I rubbed my eyes for about five days, thinking I must have some type of optical problem, then <laughs> <laughs> I realized that was it. Mm. And I was into a shamanic initiation. My initiation was by animals. I did not have a class. There were 13 ancestral spirits that were Mayan that came and that was when I was living in El Salvador, and I was—I didn't realize that I was living on top of a portal. The great-grandfather of the Mayan community came and explained to me that I had been cho chosen for that and just to, you know, go with the flow, which I did, which was extremely difficult. Two years of initiation by spirits is probably one of the hardest things you'd ever go through. It's quite an experience. And I wrote a book about that as well before this one. Okay. What is the name of that book, Lori? That's called The Disintegration of My Ordinary Reality. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And mm -hmm. do you mind sharing how old you were at that time? I was 52. That's a very important day on the Mayan calendar. Hmm. That is the only day that your birthday aligns with the Mayan calendar. On your 52nd birthday? Mm -hmm. Ooh, I've got something to look forward to. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's in the rear view, Andrew. <laughs> and in my culture, that's when you become a teacher. Okay. Oh, you should look back, Kathleen. I am. I'm thinking back right now, like, hmm. <laughs> so, 
That's very interesting. That's something I've never heard before. Well, a lot of what you've said so far, Lori, is stuff I've never heard before. Your shamanic initiation, as you call it, this was spontaneous and it was something that just occurred without any um, effort on your part. Is that correct? Well, what happened was I was living in, a, in this lake, volcanic lake, and all of a sudden I started to see these beams of light come down all the time. And I had a, a girl who was a cook. She also saw them. So these were not things that, you know, that were just I was seeing. Then the veil kept dropping and I kept seeing myself in the Mayan community. I was like, why am I, you know, what's real? I started to realize where I was. It was another, I was kept moving in and out of this other dimension. And so then I started to hear voices. Um, there were snakes everywhere because snake is a sign of Kundalini. And I was told on my 52nd birthday to walk to the edge of my property, little peninsula. And then I saw 13 Mayan ancestral spirits make a circle around me. And then I was told to lay down, which I did. And I was hit by light. And I was gone for three hours, unconscious. And then when I came back, I had like, they call it, Kind of like epilepsy, you're completely like frozen. And it's when you've been out of your body. Not catatonic, it's, there's a word for it, but I forgot. Cataleptic? Yeah. So then I couldn't walk. And finally, little by little, I got my senses, my feelings back. But then from that moment on, I, I knew what every plant would do to heal you, what you could eat. For me, the being, it was talking, stones were talking to me. Everyone was geometry whole world was geometry and uh, then there's these four jaguars standing there saying welcome to your shamanic initiation hmm. and i had no idea about all this new age stuff i had some interest in the mind culture but i really had absolutely no idea what that was about so i was you know, most of the time getting in denial i thought it was crazy i thought how do i get back go back to my normal world that I had full-blown Kundalini awakening, and I was pretty much told I would never go back to who I was. Wow. Wow. I had no other option than to go forward, and I did. So here I am. What a story. My goodness. What initially took you down there to that location? My husband was from El Salvador. Oh. So we got married, and we went and lived there. I lived there 28 years. This is going into my category of how there are no accidents. Indeed. I always think I want portals. I bought some land in Sedona and started building a house, getting all these phone calls from people, mostly in the UFO community. And they're like, oh, you bought La Tent? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, do you know about La Tent? <laughs> what about La Tent? <laughs> and so I started having UFO parties. And I met a remarkable man there who knew all the dragons in Sedona. He came to my home and I had an expert on UFOs come for one of my retreat. And we had four ships come over. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a party. <laughs> that sounds like another book, Lori. It definitely does. Everyone who went to the retreat was like freaking out. And you can imagine there was a big sign up list for my next retreat after that. Oh, I'll bet. But I decided to move. But everyone went home and told their friends. And they're like, yeah, and then these UFOs come flying over. And then they can even see these UFOs coming down. And 
you know, you can see aliens, and then you saw this dragon, and then these princesses. <laughs> oh, my. Now, can dragons be power animals? Yes, very powerful. Now, when we first started, you talked about third dimension power animals. I think those are all the ones in your book, right? Third dimension are actual animal. Okay. Then if it's a mermaid or a dragon or what about giants and things like that? I mean, are all of those things actually real in the other dimensions then? Yes. Okay. I remember that dragon is one of the animals featured in your book. Oh, it is. Yes. It's funny. I wasn't going to include what they call fairy tale animals or whatever, but then the phoenix came in and gave me a very, a very stern lesson and told me why would, just because we can't see them. It's not that they don't exist. So I put the phoenix unicorn i put the dragon and i put some of them in because the phoenix didn't like that i wasn't going to include some of them ah of course inclusivity (laughs) there are going to be many people who listen to this who will be delighted that the unicorn is included it's definitely important to include agreed and i'm really glad you did that i'm glad you took phoenix's advice absolutely yeah phoenix does not like to be called mythical Oh, <laughs> it is too limiting. Oh, okay. Implying it is extinct. It says the only reason people think I'm extinct is that they cannot see me. But if they cannot, who is extinct, them or me? Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. And he says, I find great comedy in this term. Is the entire unseen world extinct? The phoenix makes us aware of the unseen world and the vibrancy and energy that surrounds us. All right. Phoenix has spoken. Yes, indeed. That is wisdom. Unbelievable. Yeah, the book is very interesting. I keep it on my coffee table for a lot of reasons because it's very interesting. And also, as you mentioned, I keep it there if I happen to see a particular animal, you know, over and over again in a short period of time. And then I look it up and say, oh, that's cool. And now I get it. And very often, I understand why I'm seeing that particular animal at the moment. So it is a very helpful book to have around. Through a Facebook feed or just maybe people keep, you know, mentioning it or something. So it'll come in many ways. Exactly. Yes, that's been my experience too. And I'm wondering too for our listeners, Lori, you know, this whole concept might be new to some of them or maybe they just knew a little bit about it. And if it's really interesting to them, well, number one, they could certainly go and get your book for future, you know, education and reading and delving in, but also perhaps finding out the animals that came in with them at their birth, that could be very useful. But for people who want to go deeper and maybe build more of a relationship with working with the animals, do you have any advice of how they might begin to do that? Well, in the back of the book, you have kind of a crops reference. So it'll say, for example, um, it'll list the animal and it'll list the powers. Okay. So, for example, if you need like some flexibility, you'll look at the sandpiper. You think about the sandpiper, you can move on a dime. And so that would be something to call in and work with that. For example, stingray. If you're trying to become more quantum, they're they're highly electric. 
And so you might call in Stingray for more quantum energy or fearlessness or better intuition. Would you recommend maybe meditating and asking them to join you in meditation? Or what might that look like? Well, you would um, call them in and ask them to perhaps meditate with you or to show you something that you need to know. So you would look for the power that you're trying to, you know, that you need in your life. And then, like I did with the mouse, you know, I said, I need to find a house. And so I asked the mouse to please accompany me, work with me, finding a house. Or if I'm fearful, then I might call in the jaguar, say, you know, I need you to help me through this really scary moment. I have to go on stage. I have to speak to a large audience or something. I'm scared. Well, then you go and you take the jaguar with you to that event, for example. So you could take, have to be in meditation with them. You call them in for whatever it is, but they're like power, powerful companions from the spirit world. Lori, I want to make mention of another section in your book that I thought was really valuable, where you have the animal listed along with a very short description of their qualities. And next to that, the mineral or crystal with Mm -hmm. which they're associated. That is extremely helpful. And I have to say, as someone who is passionate about crystals and have Mm -hmm. been for a long time, when I learned that my power animal from birth was owl, I had to look it up in the back. Lo and behold, owl's crystal is labradorite, which even Andrea is nodding her head, knows that is my absolute favorite hands down crystal of all. And I was, when I read that, I was, oh my goodness. (laughs) And as Andrea and I say frequently, you just can't make this stuff up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was such validation from a very unexpected source, and I I couldn't believe it. So to me, that is a very valuable section. Yeah, and I've heard so many stories like that. I had one girl who asked for it. it, Hers was Sparrow, and she wrote me back. She has Sparrow's tattooed all over her body. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. (laughs) And she was pretty happy that it was Sparrow because it had been something else. Who knows what would happen? But it was Sparrow. And then I had another <laughs> client who said it was Cougar. And she had a Cougar painting over her bed. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? So I've heard probably 50 stories of people, you know, after they've gotten the book, found out what their power animal is, and then they read about it. Like you said, they just, you know, they flip out because they're like, oh, my God, it's, I've known all along. And I just did never realize that this animal was collaborating with me through my whole life. Right. I know. It, it's, a very, it's a very empowering thing to find out. And it really mm-hmm. does make you realize how spirit is with us always. And its presence is so far-reaching and, and broad and it affects all aspects of our lives. And its presence is there in everything, things that we may not have considered before. Like you mentioned the rocks, you know, and of course the animals and trees and all the plants. But it's things like this that make me realize just what a precious gift spirit is and how it's available to us as long as we just remain open to it and aware. Very true. Very well said. Yes, beautifully said, Kathleen. And it does make me realize in a whole nother way the fact that you can't get away from spirit. It's in everything. It's everywhere. 
being a human, we are immersed in spirit. And I find it fascinating that some humans come in and they're completely unaware or asleep, you know, like the animals had said to Lori. They can go their whole life and not recognize spirit in even anything while it's really present and available, threaded throughout everything here in the human experience. I just think that's amazing to think about. It is. And most people, you know, don't. This is kind of an introductory thing for them because people who want to know, people always say, who are my guides, who are my spirits? I think this is a great start. You know, when mm-hmm. you find out, start working with that animal in the beginning, because then you'll start to learn that you can't create a relationship with spirits on the other side. It's very much a part of you know, mm-hmm. who we are. Yes. You know, I know you guys um, do a lot of Reiki. I mean, you can invite any kind of animal to come in and help you. But the problem is the person's eye. You know, you would look for an animal that has, you know, great feability. <clears throat> if the person's having trouble walking, maybe the cheetah, you know, that's a very fast, very agile animal. So even with that, in the Reiki, you can add a power animal to your practice. That's a great idea, Lori. Thank you. Yes. Kathleen, I don't know about you, but I am so intrigued and want to really go deeper with the power of animals. Thank you, Lori, for being with us. I'm going to head right over to your website, lauriemorrison.com. We're going to have the link in the show notes. But I want to take a quick second, though, to say you spell your name L-O-R-I because it is a little bit different, lauriemorrison.com. And I know that you're planning a very special retreat in Costa Rica, a deep spiritual journeying retreat, multifaceted, and it sounds fascinating. To find out more information, we'll also have a link to sign up for that interest list down in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lori. It's been a real pleasure and You've renewed my interest in working with animals to further my spiritual journey. So thank you for that. Well, I'm glad. And thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to speak to your peeps. And um, I look forward to everyone sharing their experiences with power animals and learning how they can live and work with them, see the world in a different way and understand the meaning and significance of nature. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And before we say our final goodbye, Kathleen and I wish to share our heartfelt gratitude with all of our regular listeners who've chosen to support our all-volunteer effort here at the podcast by leaving positive reviews, sharing about the podcast with your friends and family, and on social media as well, and of course by contributing through donation. It is through your efforts that our audience continues to grow, and Kathleen and I wanted to just say thank you. And we certainly look forward to the next time we meet and explore beyond the Reiki Gateway.